I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. This is episode number 110, and our book is Gene Father by the one, the only Guy Haley, as requested by basically everybody who follows us. It's true. The book is about the epic, epic confrontation between Belisarius Call and fabulous Bill himself. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via Twitter, YouTube, our site, or Encrypted Vox channel. Do I need to call it X now? Spoiler warning. If you haven't yet read this book, definitely check it out before listening to this episode, because we're going to be spoiling it all over the place. With that, let's dive in. As always, did you enjoy the book? Okay, I'm going to keep on calling it Twitter till the day I die. Just like that's I, valid and fair. Just like I'm not going to call the homecoming Hoko because that's stupid. It took me way longer than I want to admit. When all of my friends were like posting pictures of their kids at Hoko, I was like, what's a ho Like, I thought it was a band or something like that. <laughs> I am old. I mean, just Hoko is just stupid. It's Hoko like, is stupid. It's like, you know, they tried to make Froyo and Hocho a thing. Froyo, I am also not a fan of. I think. Anyways, now that we've got that out of the way, I think Froyo actually stayed. Hocho did not. No. Um. Anyway, did you like this book uh, enough to talk about Homecoming? <laughs> Although Spider-Man: Homecoming was a good movie, but anyway, um, so it's hard thing. So the book was very well written. I was very entertained in many aspects, but. I don't like either one of these characters, so I was never going to be, like, gung-ho and excited. So I'm just kind of like, that's okay. I'm glad I read it, but that's okay. I have very mixed feelings on this book. I really went into this book expecting this to be my book of the year because uh, Guy Haley, uh, a direct sequel to the great work, Be Still Thine Heart, and he was definitely using Josh Reynolds's version of Fabulous Bile. Fabulous Bill. <laughs> Fabius Bile. His Bill. Um, he was definitely using Reynolds's Bill. And this, all of these things I really was jazzed about. And I will say that every single scene that had both Call and Bill in it, I loved. And I loved the entire intro. The middle kind of dragged for me when he's under attack from um, Frank, from the guy who is the inquisitorial pet, when like he's having to defend himself. It's like, uh, I don't care about any of this. And I'll be really honest. I didn't I, I enjoyed the scene between him and the Necron, especially when they were playing like the the. It's not even 3D chess, like the whole regicide that he's basically making up with the little Necron units. But I thought that was fun, but I would have preferred that to be its own little short story off to the side. I really didn't think that it fit this narrative all that well. Um, not really. The big it, thing, it did kind of seem like a little out of place. Yeah, and the whole like, oh, he's he's really bad and he's a, he's a heretic, like... That whole piece, and I understand exactly what it was. This book felt like <laughs> this book felt like two things. Guy Haley set out for two things. One, people had questions, as Carrie would say, after the great work, which we all did. 
Uh, I felt I felt as though this book was a direct response to that, to him going, yes, yes, yes. He is aware that there is an potentially an abominable intelligence in with Gulliman. He is Gulliman is aware that he did, in fact, let out a Catan. And um, there's a lot of unfinished business from that. And yes, Gulliman is still calling him to heal. And then with Bill, it felt like it was a direct answer to, but how is Bill going to get the Primaris Marines? And I also kind of feel like it was him pouring one out for Josh Reynolds a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I kind of felt that way. Because, you know, at the end of that Josh Reynolds trilogy, the way when that Bill woke up and he was like, so what's going on now? Like, I think because I, I think that's how they ended, like with Gulliman being awake. And he's like, so what is going on? Uh, so it's kind of the question of, uh, well, what, what, what's going to happen? And I have to say, because, again, I do not like this character. I was rooting for him to be killed, even though I know that's impossible because he does have all the plot armor. Besides, right. even if he is killed, I mean, there's backups. So. Yes, but you're 100 percent right. And this was our biggest criticism that when we read the third Fabulous Bill book, we said that this reeked of of editing hell. That it there's a, there's a fly. <laughs> For those people on camera, I suddenly looked very confused. There's like something buzzing. Anyways, um, hopefully it's nothing nurgle related. Um, but we had talked about how it reeked of editing hell. Mm-hmm. It reeked because you had this so. Pre-Josh Reynolds' series. Tale of Two Bills in that last It is a tale of two bills. And this is where I have mixed emotions. So walk through this thought experiment with me, if you will. So pre-Josh Reynolds' series, Bill was very much this monstrous, I just experiment because I can, uh, mad scientist. And he was very much into... He was cruel. He was into the, I can't, I, I'm doing this because I can and I don't really care what happens to it, right? Reynolds presented him as more of a mature, I've had time to think about this and to reflect. And he put, it, it, that was kind of a complaint of ours, right? Because it didn't fit with the Horace Heresy version. Well, then at the end of that third book, they basically were like, okay, scratch this. He is no longer this character and he's back to being this mad scientist conniving cruel character the spider Um, huh he's back to being the spider exactly he went from being the pater to being the spider and i have really mixed feelings about that and then this brought him back to being the pater and i understood why he did it because he really wanted to show that call and bill are opposite sides of the same coin they're, they are both extremely arrogant. I mean, the hubris on these guys is appalling. Um, they've both taken extreme liberties, which we're going to go into depth about here. They have interesting contingency plans. They have all these creations that they've made and they have various affections for, which we're going to talk about here in a second as well. Um, but at the end, there is... <laughs> This thing's driving crazy. Where is my cat when I need it? Um, it? It is going to be 
there are some key differences here, which we'll go through here tonight. So I, I liked that he was like, well, let's kind of talk about this, right? This felt more like a thought experiment on Guy Haley's part. I think that was my really long-winded way of getting to that point. <laughs> Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I mean, I got... I, I can see that. I, I did have one question, and I'm, I apologize in advance if this makes me seem dumb as usual. When did Call hang out with Trazen? Oh, it's heavily. Um, it's I don't know that we've seen a story about it, but it happens when um when they go to wake up Gilliman because remember it's Trazen, no Call. Oh, I don't know anything. Trazen, Call, and his big titty elder girlfriend who all kind of work together. Okay, I didn't to know Trazen was part of that. I knew he was. Mm, I mm. knew yes, the big titty elder girlfriend and that other the farseer. Eldar. I, I literally never remember her name, and I feel so bad. I think Yvrain, it's Yvrain. 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 Something Yvrain like that. Something like that. It starts with the Y. Well, um, her and then, and then the Farseer. I forget his name, but he was the same Farseer who, I Is guess, Aldred? recruited uh, Alfarius. Yeah, I can never remember his name either. Yeah, I, I'm but, so bad with the Eldar names, y'all. I actually did not know Trazen was part of that. That's interesting. Yeah, Trazen was part of that as well. It it makes it particularly interesting because thanks to Josh Reynolds, we know that Trazen has a very interesting item, very interesting guest in his collection. Um, I actually legit wonder if someday Call will end up in Trazen's collection. Because there's a lot of interesting things. About or at him. least like Add a copy. <laughs> or Kavo. Um Gives him one of, one of the Cavos, yeah. We're going to talk a lot about Cavo because so many feel. Um, what part stood out to you? Uh, probably the part that stood out to me the most is, of course, the big conversation between Call and, uh, and Fabulous Bill. Uh, mainly because I was laughing the entire time. And Oh, yeah. Uh, my favorite line. God, there was like, okay, I wrote down like two of my favorite lines because like I barked a laugh uh let's see most of the time when people want to save people it's not to add them to their wardrobe that was amazing i did like that and uh when he like called him fashion criticism yep, i did like it when he called him a cliche and a horrifying coat i did like that that cracked me up or like even gosh before he even talked to the tech priest, he's like, there are fewer better opportunities to grandstand them before a group of tech hungry tech priests. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. That's true. And I forget who said this, but I wrote it down. Like the czar Quisitar was a ship full of freaks. Maybe it was Primus who said that. I can't remember. But I love, uh, Prim I love Primus so much and Primus hit me. So hard in the feels. Yeah, I'm not a huge one. fan oh, of. I'm not a huge fan of Primus. I don't know. He's gosh, dang it. He's annoyed me since uh, Dawn of Fire. I wrote down a quote, but I didn't give it any. I didn't give it any. Gosh, dang it! I just wrote down that somebody was described as like being a great mechanical weasel. Oh man. I remember that quote. That was amazing. Like, I cackled at that. And now I can't find, like, the context in which I wrote it down. But 
I I think the big scene that stood out to me was when he's talking with first off, and this is directly for Panty Mauser. When I read the words Gullum and Inferior. Oh, you did not. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Um, but the conversation between the Gullum and Inferior, but also between the Call Inferior, when he learns for real that he the Call Inferior has been asking to make him fabricator general. And you know, when Felix asked him about it in the great work, he was super dismissive about it. Like, I would never ask for that. Don't be ridiculous. And Felix is like, no, 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 no. The call inferior has been asking for this. And his reaction is, hmm, I'm going to check into that. Well, then in this book, when the call inferior tells him about it, he's like, oh, like, I feel like the first, like when Felix was telling him, he was like, oh, you know, okay, sure, Jan. But now he's like, oh, no, now I have to look at this. But again, he seems so unbothered. By all of these things that he does. Well, like, like the oh, is there an abominable intelligence asking to make me the fabricator general inside of the ship of a Primarch? Yeah. It's like even, you know, when, <laughs> when Frank confronts him, like, you released a Catan shard. Oh, but I released it so many, you know, so far away. It's fine. It's like, yeah. That did, that's another scene that stuck out, stuck out to me when Frank is like, oh, yeah, and by the way, you also eradicated an entire Space Marine Legion, and he's like, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I replaced them with all Primaris Marines, yay! And the way that he, just when he's just like, oh, there was a deep flaw seeded by Xenos in their DNA, I was like... I mean, that's one way to look at it. That's one way to describe the gene seal. <laughs> His, uh, a lot of his stuff is, I did like, the other thing that stood out to me, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, is when he and, when Bill and Call are talking, and Bill is like, oh yeah, the the Primaris, like, ugh, lame. Um, he like completely poo-poos them, right? He's just like, oh yeah, you took something and you made it bigger or better, woo um, and then he reveals that he's like, I basically want to make a Primark. Right. Oh, because your first attempt to clone a Primark was. Um, it was that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a nice grant. That was a nice back and forth of like, who's the bigger monster? Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah. that, and I'm laughing at fabulous bill because he's just like i'm going to save humanity and he's like how he's like by replacing them and and call rightfully says like that's not saving humanity and then right and call calls him out it's like so that you can be the god he's like i tried the godhood thing i didn't care for it oh you're so full of crap the reason why you threw away fulgrim or clone grim was because you saw that your new men were loving him more than you because yep that was like always your problem like um that everyone loved fulgrim more than you that that the basest of things like everything you, you did like did you have to bring back idol idolon no you could have left him for dead but because fulgrim was the one who knocked off his head you're like maybe i could but he's like really bile is the epitome of just because you could you didn't stop to think if you should because he was Oh, I would say both of them are, but you're oh. right. Bile is definitely the greater of right. those. So I guess like the biggest difference between the two of them. 
for going to like going to go that route is that at least let's at really least quickly, let's dive into this okay. as a question because this is one of our questions which is for meta talk who is the lesser of two evils um I, i'm going to say call because at least i mean aside from the man man skin coat i mean call's got a you know point there but he doesn't mutate like he he hasn't created an island of Dr. Giroux. <laughs> let's, let's be real here. The, you know, everything that Call has done, like his beastmen. Oh, they're just experiment. I care about them. That's horrible. You just experimented on people for no reason. Like, at least Call doesn't do that. He tinkers with, with, with machines, which can be turned off. Which, you know, if you want to get into the machine spirit and, and, and all of that, I mean... Do I like the fact that he cloned the brain of Reboot Gulliman? No, that is awful. And that's definitely going to come back to bite him in the ass, as in Gulliman might kill him himself type thing. Uh, but at the same time, he's not going to a uh, Komarog and making flush temples. <laughs> well, and I think that that Kimura, to me, there's it, two... Kimura. There's two major, major differences. And I think you're absolutely right is that it's not one of them that you touched on was not just that Bill, Bill is a tinkerer. He does things because he can. And yeah, it is very much like the island of Dr. Moreau, like Brutus. Like when they're describing how like Giroux. Brutus is. Oh my God. Just, oh, I'm, st I'm still, <laughs> I'm still like jet lagged. You're good. <laughs> um, Like when he talks about like the the tongue being too big for Brutus's mouth and stuff like there's all these like little sloppy tacky things that it's like you could you have fixed that yeah you could have but you didn't care to and the other thing with him and you can see this so much with his beastmen he gets so excited about something new and shiny and then it didn't quite work the way he wanted it to so meh. anyways ooh, now we have this and now we have that and he just there's there's just still that cruelty to him and that he just experiments because he can and here's the big thing and I was thinking about this throughout the whole book. And this, to me, is the biggest sign. So Caveau, and we're going to talk a lot more about Caveau because I love Caveau. Caveau is miserable and is constantly like, please stop cloning me. Please stop cloning me. And then obviously his argument at the end is something very different too. But please stop doing this to me. I just want to be dead. Primus talks about how much he hates Call. Now juxtapose that with Bill. Porter loves Bill. Mm -hmm. Porter will do anything for Bill. Brutus will do anything for Bill. They worship him, right? The pater mutatus. I see they where you're going with him. this. Free will aspect. Here's the thing about Bill that, like, we we seem to forget, and it's so easy to forget. And I think that I think that Gee Haley, one of the greatest tricks he did in this was actually showing this difference. Is that yeah, everything loves Bill. Because he encoded in their DNA to love him so that they wouldn't change on him. So, like, he's like, oh, I'm so affectionate towards Porter. Yeah, I bet you are because she has no free will. She has no choice but to love you. She's never going to back talk you. Like, the way that Primus talks to Call and treats Call is very much like a petulant teenager. Mm -hmm. um, not, that I'm, not that I'm experiencing that currently. Um, but it's very much this, there's that free will agent, that free will thing. And... I do get the impression that at the end of the day, there is maybe not love and affection as we baseline humans would recognize it, but there is legitimate love and affection between Call and Primus and Call and Kovo. 
Mm-hmm. Call needs them and he legitimately loves and i like we saw that in the great work too i think he legitimately loves felix like he has Mm -hmm. genuine affection for him like a father and son and especially to primus like watching him get all choked up with emotion as he's watching him pull primus apart again it's not what we would recognize but there is an affection there brutus gets killed and bill is just like oh that was not my strongest warrior right dude that, to me, is what separates the two. And obviously, I'm not trying to say that Call's a good guy, because we don't do that here. Well, no, it's Warhammer, Warhammer 40K. 40K. We, just, we just don't do that here. Um, but he does feel like the lesser of two evils, and the less monstrous. No less arrogant. Absolutely no less arrogant. Arguably more arrogant. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, like any, time, any single time, he's like, oh my god. I really am a genius. That's so awesome. So anyway, it's like, God, dude. <laughs> you can tell that he's Gee Haley's favorite character in the lore. Yeah. Because he's he's very funny. He's I mean, very he's, personable. He's, he's a fun character. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't like him, but you got to remember, I'm not a fan of the Mechanicus in general. So Fair. so this this guy who's like basically thinks he's God in a way that he's like, no, 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 no. Like, that's not, like, I, yes, I might be called the prime conduit of the Omnissiah, but I'm not the Omnissiah. I can't do everything, but I am such a genius. So that's fun for sure, but I'm just, I'm not a fan of that whole thing. And he he actually embodies a lot of some of the problems I have with the Mechanicus in, in general. Just the, again, the for the sake of my research, mm. the, Fair. you know, uh, the, the always the constant, you know, looking down, lo- looking down on, on everything, even though we're so hyper focused, we can't see the forest for the trees. That's like the mm-hmm. you know big problem with the Mechanicus. I mean, like geez, they see some some Necron tech and they're like, oh, hold on a second. Like you're a bunch of seagulls, right? I think I think that Vanilla Astartes uh, uh, wrote a comic about that. Basically, they're. A cryptic rip wakes up and they're like, mine, 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 mine. mine. Mm-hmm. And, even oh, calls, definitely and, then, and then calls the same way. He had, you know, a cryptic, a chronomancer cryptic just hanging out because he wants to find out how they can use it, how they can use their technology and how they can possibly work together. And a lot of that is pride, which is like just something I, you know, a lot of the stuff that I see problem, problems with the Mechanicus because it's kind of, you know, obviously it just uh, exacerbates like my feelings already about them. It's partly because they creep me out. And that's just my my personal hang up with them. But like I'm thinking of also like, oh, what was that book? Oh, The Assassinorum Kingmaker. I love that book. Like who was really the big bad in that? It was the Mechanicus. This, this, Very much so. Yeah, the sacristans, you know, uh, working on these knights. You know, the whole idea of the knights, like the more with the knights, I'm like, this is like some really um, borderline heresy stuff going on here. Like what they have done to trap in basically these souls to live in, in Which, the nights by the forever. Way, so let's I, I this this was a point in this book that you bring this up. And this is one of those things where I was like, huh. So on one hand, we have. We have Frank and them lobbing accusations at him for having done all of this stuff. And 
it's really funny because they're like scratching the surface. Right. You don't know the half of it, friends. And Call even kind of admits that he's like, oh, yeah, I've got these things that I really probably shouldn't be doing. But then you look at the knights and you look at, by the way, I was so happy to see Butcher Bird back because I was about to talk about the machine spirits and how the machine spirits, like the knights, the fact that his ancestors are like barking in his head, right? I'm sorry, what? And then when you talk about just the machine spirit in general of like the titans and stuff like that and how you know, oh, this one's particularly um, aggressive. Like, Mm -hmm. this one has a very touchy, or this one's a very bloodthirsty machine spirit. Okay. All right. So you guys are all playing with stuff that you don't really understand. Oh. I think they pretty much even say, like, after the heresy, that they don't fully understand how the knights work, right? Because oh, yeah. because it goes back to like the you know the uh, l- losing the age of technology th- thanks to Horace deciding <laughs> this <laughs> this is intolerable. All of this knowledge and wealth and prosperity, no, <laughs> can't have any of this. And exactly, uh, and it's you know the other thing like with Primus, you know when he actually you know activates some of his powers of the warp and. Um, Bile is immediately disgusted by it. He's like, he's like, oh, I see the Cyclops is, is, is in you. It may or may not be Magnus, but, you know, definitely a thousand suns because we pretty much confirmed that all 20. Yeah, mm-hmm. I said 20 are, are, in, are in Primus, but he's disgusted by it. And yet he has torment, right? Again, the hypocrisy in the Warhammer 40k universe in general is always fascinating. And I think... Mm-hmm. I really do think at some point you just, to be a denizen of the 40K universe, and let's be very real, to be a fan of the 40K universe, how many times do we pick and choose and we make our own headcanon? I think the characters within the 40K universe, same, same. They have, they pick and choose what they do and don't like. Like, well, okay, well, all of this stuff is fine, but what you're doing is not okay. Um, Well, it's like when... when They have their own headcanon, their own justifications right well torment obviously torment is different than being an actual psyker well it's like you know the condition cuvo had with uh, elixia when he was calling her dark mechanicus and she's like no 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 in my point of view you're the dark mechanicus because you're not progressing forward with this enlightenment that the false omnissiah is taken away from us which is i loved that because that was an issue in graham mcneil's mechanicus mechanicum Mm-hmm. book where they talked about the the divide that was going on in mars but how the fabricator general who sided with horace his thing was he believed when he remembered when the emperor came to mars and when the emperor went down to a certain cave put his hand on it for a while and then kind of walked away and the fabricator general was upset he couldn't remember how to get back there because the emperor kept wiping his mind as they were going back up so he couldn't remember how to get there so he's like well what secrets is he keeping from us the real omnissiah wouldn't do that so that's how horus was able to really be able able to divide them bring them the uh, the uh, the chaotic scrap code because look here's more power here's more knowledge it's funny. Right. How, it's funny how knowledge is always asking. It's funny to me that asking for more knowledge is always a problem in the, in this world because then it teeters upon the fascism, right? That you can't mm-hmm. think for yourself. You can't do this. 
And if you try to do get more knowledge, well, that's heresy. And at the same time, trying to get more knowledge does lead to heresy because Zinch is always like, what's up? Do you want to know something? Well, I can tell you things. And that, that actually segs us really nicely into the next question, which is that Call has taken some liberties, hmm. which is the most egregious. Um, God, there's so many in this book. But on one hand, like... It, it, it seems so like you're sitting there with Frank. And as I mentioned earlier, like Frank is just like, oh, my God, you're a, you're a tech, you're a um, heretic, you're a heretic. And a couple of the um, the couple of the people there are like, yes, because you're trying to make new things and improve on things. Yes, that's heresy. On the other hand, though, some of the stuff he has done to make and make new things legit is heresy. He cloned a Primark's brain. Right. He has the abominable intelligence and whatever is going on with Kavo, which we're going to talk about later. But wow 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 and the fact that primus like the whole thing about making the primaris marines they find to be very they find to be borderline heretical right and some of the people actually do just call it straight up heretical even though he was tasked to do this and even though he really just kind of took what they already had and like made it bigger mm -hmm. um bigger as bile says more. right but yeah. primus Primus is kind of heretical. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that he does. And I I can't go, like, when I try to think about, like, okay, well, what's the worst thing that he does? I don't know. I, I still have to go to the abominable intelligence that's sitting on Gulliman's deck and then his, like, Gulliman inferior. There's just some stuff that's not right about that. <laughs> and it's very much heresy. Well, that, and I also just found it very interesting that he's like, I don't being, like, told what to do. Um... This is the emperor's son. If the emperor came and told you what to do, you would do it. Or would he? There and that's what maybe that wasn't that was an interesting that was an interesting thing between him and Bill because we end the last fabulous Bill book with him basically being at the mercy of Abaddon and Abaddon saying, "Build me these Primaris Marines." But now you see that he's kind of dawdling because he's struggling and he, which I think is the actual answer, because here's the thing about Bill and Call. This is also very interesting about them. And this is where we, they both call, especially is taking liberties. Oh, I don't like to answer to authority. I just want to do my own thing. They're both struggling in the task that they've been assigned. Call can't quite get what Gulliman has asked him to do done. Bill can't quite get the Primaris made. Hmm. So both of them are just like, I just don't like authority. I don't that, like being told a, what to that's do. That's a really good point. Actually, I love that when Call was like arguing with Call Inferior, when Call Inferior is relaying the message, where Gulliman's like, tick tock, tick tock, basically, like, where is this? And um, he's like, I never said this would be humanity's salvation. Call Inferior is like, you said it would save humanity. That's not this, I, I, but that doesn't mean the salvation. It's like, you know, and it's not that he can't do what he's doing, but he's finding other things to do because it's not fun for him. It's not that research he wants to do. Same thing with Bill. It's not the research he wants to do. Like Bill even said he was going to do this one thing just so he could get Abaddon off his back so he can go do what he wants to do and quote unquote save Humanity. But he needed Primus's progenoid to do it. Well, right. Because like, he, he, he kind of says, and then like, and then Call needs Aseneth I knew I knew to get on board with him. Like that's the whole reason he has the cryptic. And he's just like, can you just help me? Like, we can just, we can just work together. Cause he needs her. 
Right, to help him with the pylons and create these, mm-hmm. you know, these pylon worlds and reestablish them. Yeah, because the mechanic is damn sure isn't going to because that's, you know, I did, I did like very much when they were talking about the um, heresy and they were just like, are you suggesting that alien tech is better than ours? That's heresy. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> okay. There's... Ugh. Which then brings me to, are you surprised to see Bill still thumbing his nose at Abaddon? No. No. I am. I am and I'm not. Because, here, again, this is where I get into those mixed emotions. That third book, which you can't see off screen, but totally is sitting over there. That third book basically established that the editors at Black Library have pulled him back into the folds to make him work with Abaddon. Abaddon needs an answer to the Primaris. He needs this and he needs these people. He needs Bill to get this to happen, right? And then this book is like, oh, (laughs) no. Is it saying that it's futile? Like your attempt to get this man under control are just futile and it just won't work? It is futile because... Bill was never under anybody's control in the first place. True. Like, you know, the more I'm reading in the Harris, he's like, this man did whatever he wanted. He wasn't listening to anybody, you know, and the only reason why he got away with it was because he kind of kept it on the down low until Fulgrim turned. And then he's just like, look at all my toys now that I don't have to hide this from you. Right. That's true. And I did like when he was just like, oh, yeah, I um, I keep all of the good stuff for me. Of course you do. So when, well, of course he does, which on one hand, I'm like, good. Abaddon <laughs> doesn't need any of that. Um, on the other hand, though, again, I just I really struggled with that. I guess I liked it. It feels a little rebellious that they essentially wiped that version of bill and then here he is again he's inevitable well but like, but but it, but it's true right because he even talked about like in the josh reynolds books you know how he falls to cancer every single time it's just it's, well and they it, did describe this how sickly he looks and how because he's he's running out of time with this body mm-hmm I did like that call kind of knew about that. He's like, mm, is this the real Bill or no? And um, I liked that Bill is like, oh, yeah, I've kind of heard that it's not just call running around upstairs in there. Sedane is in there. Um, I did like that he kind of gave that back to Sedane, um, reminding everyone that it's not just call running around up in there. Well, no, uh, I like that. Well, that's not call's fault. Sedane, no, to be fair. Sedane was a bad person. Sedane was not a good person. And he thought he could control Call, and that was just a big mistake. Not good. Okay. What the hell is going on with Cavo, and is it compelling? Uh, I think it is just because um, just because I found him funny. <laughs> I love Cavo so much, but... There's something very intriguing to me about this idea that every time he comes back, he becomes a little bit more like Caveau. Like, so like this version, like when Belisarius Call is like, this is the closest version of you you've ever been. And like when he would say things, he would just be like, 
That is the most Kavo thing you've ever said. Like, I... Their friendship in general. Again, I just... I don't know why, but when you find a good, solid friendship, as much as I make fun about the giant soulless babies, it's just a great friendship in the 40k universe. And every time that... It's, it's one of the reasons that we friggin' love um, Uriel and Pisanius. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, they are... <sighs> It's it's just it's so nice when you find a real and true friendship in this, and he just he just loves his friend again. Maybe not in the way that we would recognize. Um, and it really pissed me off when that dark mechanicus was like, "He must hate you." And I do like when Cavo was like, "I think it's the opposite." Mm-hmm. Oh well, she was just saying yeah, that, that. I mean, she was saying make him get in despair. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it did cause him to think for a second that he's like. No, it's the opposite. Like, you don't even understand. Mm-hmm. And I do like that even his enemies really underestimate him and what he's doing here. But the whole Kavo thing, I think this also goes back to the tech heresy thing, though. Why is he becoming more and more like Kavo? Why are certain versions more like him? Like, you would think that as you make a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy, it would continue to degrade. But it's having the reverse effect. Is he just getting better at mimicking it? I, I think he's just getting better because he even said that all the organic material had decayed long ago. So, right. Maybe just the the uh, server that keeps hosting all of the backups. He's able as he's upgrading that server. It's getting better and better and better. It's only I. It's the only thing I can think of. Or is it like the spirits in the nights? Huh, it could be. Ew. I mean, ugh. if they, but do they even know how to make new knights? I always wonder about that because I, I don't I, think they do. I think that's like from the age of lost, you know, that lost from the age of technology, right? The whole thing, whole thing with, with the knights. And it's why, you know, this is so, so honorable so that, you know, if a knight is gone, that seems to be it. Like they don't seem to be able to make more. So I don't think they exactly know. I mean, I could be totally wrong. Someone someone out there who knows the lore better, like, correct me on this. Just, um, they don't... I don't actually know that either. If they, you know, they don't know how the knights exactly work, for lack of a better term. Right. And that's one of the things that I keep wondering about Kavo is, like, somehow through all of this, is he... Is that machine spirit becoming more and more aware of it? Like... Again, I keep thinking about that argument that the um, the argument that the knight pilot is having with his knight as they're going into battle against all those demon engines, right? And he's just like, no, <laughs> the, the machine spirit's losing his mind, and the cap the pilot is just like, calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. <laughs> is this something similar with Cavo? And why is he one of the best characters? <laughs> I guess because he's he's just like, you know, to me, he was like, oh, he's just the Eeyore. It's like, oh, no, here we go again. Like, uh, I lost my tail. Yeah, pretty much. He. Why do you so, keep bringing me back? Just let me die. <laughs> in the in the audiobook, this is the one thing I will give credit to the audiobook for. They voice him sounding along those same lines, very much like Pooh Bear. So it's a lot of, oh, bother. And he's just constantly worried and just constantly kind of whining. And uh, 
<laughs> like, he really, he reminds me almost more of, like, a teenager. Um, but I kept waiting for him to just be like, oh, bother. But it very much reminded me of Pooh Bear, because there's one scene when he's just like, Belisarius, you have to stop. But he's just, like, pouting. Like, you imagine him stomping his foot as he's talking. Like, it's it's really... But he does provide this weird little Jiminy Cricket to call. Yeah. Like, it's not... This is not a healthy relationship. No, but Call's relationship with Primus is also not very healthy. I mean, Primus is, like, genuinely trying to warn him. He's just like, mm, it's fine. But that's what he does with everything. I, and right. I think that might be Call's... I think that might be Call's biggest flaw, aside oh, yeah. from his obscene arrogance. But I think that's also it's it's a manifestation I think that is his of arrogance. that arrogance. I think it, I think that is part of his arrogance. Like I got every that's the biggest problem that he and Bill both had this whole thing, right? I am totally under control, which is actually why I burst out laughing when the cryptet got out. And she's like, "I told you I would get out, little insect," and he's like, "Oh crap!" Basically, it's like. I didn't see that coming. But the same thing, like, with, with Bill, he wasn't 100% under control either. Like, Primus surprised him. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think with Call, everything with Call is, oh, okay, yeah. Like, again, like with Felix, right? Like, Felix tried to warn him, dude, this thing's, sp like, spitting stuff that I don't think you mean for it to say to the Primarch. Okay, sure, we'll deal with that later. Right. And then when like Gulliman is like, uh, we need to talk about you having released a Catan. <laughs> okay. We'll deal with that later. Um, and then when he gets confirmation that, yeah, this thing keeps asking to be made the, Fabricated um, to be made the, yeah. And he's just like, oh, I'll deal with that later. Like everything for him is, we'll just deal with that later. Some point, some of this stuff is going to come home to roost. Well, like and... in the great work when he's all futzing with the controls and all of a sudden, you know, the, some Tyranids drop down and he's still busy with it. And they're like, you need to stop. And he still does it. And they nearly all get killed and they kill the Tyranids. And they're like, were you listening? He's like, oh, you guys are fine. He is definitely an omelets and eggs kind of guy. Yeah. But he's also... But he, kinda, I, but he also part of that arrogance. Well, nothing bad's going to happen. You guys are the best. It's fine. It's fine. I think he, I think unlike Bill, he actually cares about those eggs. A little bit, yes. In his own, again, not in any way that we would recognize. Right. But in his own weird way. So here's the thing. And this is like, because I, I honestly think that in some ways, Bill or Call. Call is both the greatest hope for humanity and also the worst problem for humanity. <laughs> Again, he released a Catan shard. Did he get some information out of it? Heck yeah. Awesome. But at what cost, right? Mm -hmm. Is he communicating with the Primarch? Yeah. Awesome. But at what cost? Uh, and now Bill has Primus's progenoids. And of all the Primaris Marines to get hold of. That's not good. No, now that he's he accessed all 20. <laughs> so he kind of like, he he alludes to, okay, I'm going to use this. I'm going to make the, the Primaris Marines that Abaddon wants, get them off my back. Of course, here's the thing. Because Bill is so arrogant and because he tinker, he, he seems like he can't resist tinkering. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think they're going to have great value Primaris Marines. 
because he just can't help himself. Right. He just can't. So I don't think he's going to straight up copy them, but he does have Primus's progenoids. What's he going to do? Other than nothing good. Well, that's a given. Is he going to start making chimeric? Because really what Primus uh, is is a chimeric. Is he going to make chimeric Primaris Marines? So then we're going to have like the Minotaurs, but evil. So <laughs> like, one thing is interesting. What are the other cursed foundings? The Firehawks or something like that? We'll have them, but chaos. I actually wonder if because he took Primus's progenoids, it's not going to go that well. Because remember how... Primus said that he constantly feels like his soul is not sitting right in his body. Yes. So I just, I just have this feeling that because, you know, Bill is literally meddling with things he doesn't understand. Right. That it might be chimeric and it may be worse than great value Primaris. It, you know, almost, almost like the rubric may have some that their souls aren't sitting right and that's going to cause issues. Yeah. Yeah. That could be, um, it could be one of those things where there's a, <laughs> he's never quite able to fix the glitch. <laughs> Primus is Primus for a reason. There's mm -hmm. only one of him. Um, and when he constantly complains about the pain right. that he experiences, and Carl is like, yeah. And Carl's like, well, you shouldn't be. It seems dismissive, but I actually don't think it is. I honestly think that there's something not right there. That uh, it could be that his soul's not sitting right. I mean, just that constant, you know, like pulling it could be. away. Yeah, it hundred percent could be. I mean, um, that that'll crack me up if a call not call, but a bill makes all these and they go into the warp and their souls <laughs> come right out. I would laugh really hard in ten out of ten book of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you had Primaris reinforcements. So sorry. Um, you get what you pay for, and I don't think they pay Bill very well. Um, <laughs> bill. In general, it's kind of... Again, though, he just can't resist tinkering. So I, I refuse to believe that he's going to be like, oh, you want more Iron Warriors? Boom, there's more Iron Warriors. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, you need to have some more Night Lords? Boom, there you go. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, I made you some, ni some Night Lords. That I crossed with actual bats. <laughs> and like, oh, okay, thanks, I guess. It's gonna be the or it's going to be like, I made you Night Lords. With a sprinkling of Raven Guard in there. It's gonna be smooth. gonna be the, the Isle of Dr. Moreau Primaris. I mean <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like I just don't think he can. You want salamanders? How about lizard men? <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Stuff like that. Or like he'll try to cross the streams and then discover that that just doesn't work very well. Um like, oh, did you want Night Lords? Well, what if we put in just a smidgen of like iron warriors in them? Why? 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 Because we could, exactly. darling. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Bill is he also doesn't give up. Yeah, he doesn't care. No. He does not care. And additionally, um, the other thing with Bill is he can um, do the same little magic trick that he does with all of his creations and make sure that all of his Primaris are loyal to him. Instead of Abaddon. Yeah. That would be very interesting because he does mention in here a couple of times about how he led 
the emperor's children, which I'm just like, at that point, he kind of sounded low key like Uncle Rico. <laughs> throw this football over that damn mountain. I led the I led the entirety of the emperor's children. Okay, pumpkin. How long ago was that? Mm-hmm. Asking for a friend, which you know goes back to the whole age old thing about the Terrans versus the Primarchs. Very much so. Very much so. So, what happens to Primus now? Can does he just grow can, them back? No. Can he live without them? What happens to him? Does he start to lose? Like, does his soul suddenly fit better? He's like, oh, it just like, like clicked into place. <laughs> like when you put your arm back into socket. Um, it's all good now. Uh, or does he start to lose some of his like space marininess? I don't know. Because they put that in there. To get you to like get those to get the abilities and stuff like that and start to grow and become a space marine. Um maybe Call has backups. I don't think he does. Because remember he's looking at Primus and he's like, I don't know how this is gonna turn out. Maybe he can make a backup. I don't know. Yeah. Like, here's a new one. How long have you been holding on to that? I feel like that would be Call's answer to everything. Um, so let's maybe really the Laramin cells. Talk. Maybe the Laramin cells go in overdrive and just make new ones. I I have no idea. <laughs> I would think not, but I don't think we've ever seen a case of no. Because usually, anytime they take out the progenoids, the space marine dies because it comes out of their neck. They're dead. Yeah, like or dying. Yeah. So when they not... take it out because of what. All is in your neck, the carotid arteries and everything else. You remove that. That's it. Yeah. I, I guess he just goes on to be. I don't know. Maybe he just goes on to live a normal life. He just becomes like a guy. Does a very big guy. Has powers. Like, does he then lose his ability to touch the warp? Does he lose? I don't know. But now I have questions. Um, let me ask you this. So, first off, this is a short book. Mm -hmm. It's almost a novella. Uh, I mean, it's 270 pages, so I would say longer than a novella. Well, I mean, that's why, that's why I said almost. I mean, it's, it's almost a no novella. But it is, I mean, it's shy of 300, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's almost a novella. Does that feel a little weird for the second book in the Call series? Because I have to imagine there's another book coming after this, right? Well, they do do things in threes. They do. Like video it games. Seems really short. Hmm. This is like... It didn't seem that the short. The Halo 2. It really didn't seem that short to me. It just read fast. She did not read fast for me. The two sections that dragged that just drug out unbearably long is the one where Frank is accusing Call, and then the one where Bill goes with the Dark Mechanicus to beseech that Lord to help him with all of his demon engines. 
Uh, I didn't care about any of that. God, that drug on really long for uh, me. Throol. And he ended up dying anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Which I was like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> like, did anybody, did anybody care about that guy? I don't think so. Um, or his demon engines, which I just, I have a real problem with the demon engines. Um, I'm not as creeped out by the Mechanicus as you are, but I do not like the demon engines. That The dark Mechanicus mm -hmm. are a hard no for me. But is it really dark or is it just that they're pursuing knowledge in a different way? No, it's dark because those are demons and you can't trust that shit for anything. Oh, but they don't trust them. They use them. I love that. It's like, that's when uh, Alexia was, was, was because they're like, you consort demons. She's like, we do not consort. We use them. Okay. Okay. You know, so like the Iron Warriors make a lot of arguments about that. Sometimes the Night Lords make an argument with that, right? And I do understand that there is As a Gander difference. Kane did. Oh, for sure. I understand there's a Alpha difference. Alpha Legion. There is a difference towards using these things, but not trusting them. However, mm -hmm. I do feel that using them is already one foot in the door. You haven't gone all the way through, but you're in further than you should be. It's a, it's a form of trust. You know, you're using I it, would but like you're trusting out, that it works. I would like to point out that for all of his flaws and all of his heresy and all of his bullshit, for lack of a better word, Call isn't consorting with demons. Nope. He, has no, he doesn't even think about using the warp. In that way. Necrons, yes. AI, yes. Demons, no. I mean, I say that and then I think about how call inferiors communicate with one another. So there's some warp weird thing going on there. There's something going on there, but it's not demonic. I don't think. No, I don't think it's demonic, but it's not warp free. It's it's not it's not Diet Coke. Oh. There is definitely warp in there. Mm. Yeah, I am. Um, overall, this is going to definitely appear in our awards for the end of the year. There's a couple of things in here. So many good quotes in here. Oh, yeah. So many good quotes. So many you, good Cliche in a horrifying cloak. That's just a horrifying coat. That's just Bill from now on. He is a cliche in a horrifying coat. Love it. You really can't top that. No. <laughs> you really can't. I actually liked that whole, I liked that whole scene, especially with the godhood description where he's just like, oh, I've heard this song before. Yeah. Um, just like he's just laughing. He's like, oh my God, I've heard all this before. But go on. Like, I can't really imagine call like condescending Wonka. Oh, very much so. Very much. He is like a very strange version of Willy Wonka for the 40K universe. Um, Oh, God, now I'm imagining he, him, him singing Who Can Make a s Sunrise. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed this book, but there were a lot of things that I didn't enjoy, and I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. And on one hand, it has caused me to stop and think about a lot of things, but I don't know that I'm thrilled about that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I liked it. I didn't love it. I mean, like I said, like, I liked it, but I hate both the main characters, so it was going to be a, be a hard sell. But like I said, there were some parts that were, that were very entertaining. Did it move me on the inside like so many of, like, some of the other books, like The Rose in Darkness or Longshot? No. This did not touch me like Ashes Acadia did. Or which 
Right, Ashes Acadia. I, yeah. I hate to say that one still, still is, that one I think is my forerunner. Um, it's, it's really close though. And then I have to remember that the lion came out this year. Um, there's a lot going on. So I was yeah. actually kind of glad. Speaking of the and lion. The way, huh. Just, where is he? <laughs> he's busy, Carrie. No, he's been forgotten. He's busy. Yeah, he's been forgotten. That's how he likes it, first off. Second <laughs> off, you don't he know. will let you know when he needs attention. <laughs> he don't know the lion at all. Mm-hmm. No, he, um, here's where we're in a really weird area of the 40K universe. So, like, we're not going to see Call in our next, or sorry, Call. We're not going to, we shouldn't see Call mm-hmm. in this next book. Um, we're not going to see uh, the lion in that one. And that makes sense, right? This book occupied a very strange gray area because, and this comes back to, I need dates. It's obviously post great work. Mm-hmm. Is this pre-lion though? I have to assume this is pre-lion because I feel like Gulliman would have something to say about that. So it has to be pre-lion. Could be. But why though? And I think that the well, answer is we're about is to go pre, 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 pre Gulliman. So... Well, he shows up to the fall of Cadia for like five minutes. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. We are going pre that. We're going pre rift. Okay, we're going yes, pre rift. Literally, what kickstops the rift? That's wild. Um, yeah, we're going pre rift on this. So we have questions on that one. So it's I'm very excited about it though. Once again, we're going through this roller coaster that the Black Library does where it's just like we introduce all this stuff and then nothing. Like like Avthorpe's Indomitus. Right. Which has had to do fuck all with anything else. Remember the Necrons were a thing? I do. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And like, okay, so I'm very excited. We've shown it a couple times. I'm very excited to be reading The yep. Fall of Cadia by Robert Rath next. Oh, my God. Yeah, this seriously. This is not a novella. <laughs> At least it's not teeny tiny print. Holy sh- Oh, my God. Oh, it's over um, 500 pages. That's fun. Yes. So we read about the daughter. Now read about the father. <laughs> the father, the daughter. Um, I guess we can see like father, like daughter. It, that's exactly what I put actually is the variable line for this. Uh, the excerpt. Oh, nice. um, I'm very excited to read this book, but I do find it a very interesting narrative structure. Unless somebody, somebody must have been sitting around at one point. So if you've ever, if you've read the story about how they started mapping out the um, the Siege of Terra series, they were trying to plan like all this stuff, and somebody was just like, "How did this chaos even get into the soul system?" And then then we had to read, we had to slog through that the solar war book so i'd like to slap whoever mentioned that um i do feel like somebody was sitting around and was like do we actually have a book that describes the fall of cadia so and the answer of course is no so on one hand i'm excited but on the other i'm like kind of the closest we had was cadia stands by uh yes yes oh my god what's his name justin hill justin hill yeah so that was the closest we had and i read it Specifically for that purpose. And while it gets to some of it, it doesn't get to all of it. Because, it, you know, it did focus on Minkalesque and how space wolves were just like, yeah, we found her. 
here you go. Have fun. We're going to go back and, I guess, die. But, like, I didn't know that, you know, Celestine was there, you know, because it didn't go into those types of details. And anytime I asked about it, right. the response always was, well, but that's what the um, the Codex books are for, the campaign right. books. codices. That, that, yes, that, that goes goes into that. And that's just what I assumed we would always have. But I'm very curious like what's going on because like i said earlier like we were having a lot of cadia stuff like the whole astro mm -hmm. like steel tread ashes of cadia um long shot even though minkalekos lesk was supposed to be a trilogy not only did they make that trilogy an anthology but then they added a fourth book and gave it a big collector's edition right so i'm very curious how they're just like suddenly cadians are so important it's interesting the same year that they released the lion is awake the lion coming back should have been like the biggest that should have taken over this whole year's lore right because that's huge because when, yes when, when Gulliman did he took over right with the dark imperium series we haven't oh really, my god yes we haven't even really really had that and for some reason we're going back to Cadia. so i'm really curious how this all sets in together well, and I think, so one of the interesting things about that point is that... Or does it not? Because it's Games Workshop, right? It's Games Workshop, so who knows? But I think one of the things that's interesting is that, you're right, Gulliman comes back, and Gulliman's back! Like, literally every book is going to talk about this, and look at all the stuff we're doing in the Dark Imperium, and we're moving... Actually, you know what, never mind, we're actually going to go back, and we're going to retcon a bunch of stuff. So, anyways, continue on with what you were talking about. Um, I'm almost wondering if maybe they're trying not to do that with the lion. Um, I understand the need for secrecy that the lion is coming back and you don't want everybody and their brother to know about this and you don't want to cough out all of these books, but we've literally had one book, mm -hmm. one book. So is, is like their publishing schedule really jacked? And so next year, like, did they just want to establish that again, it's back there. You just can't see it. Um, do we want to establish that the lion is back? And then we'll we'll do a bunch of books next year. But The Lion came out in what? Like March? Yeah, it was early. It was early this year. Now I'm going back to look at this. I know it was before uh, the summer. So Yes, it was before summer. I do remember that. And it was before and they came out with Cypher too. Remember they had that and then they came out with Cypher. Oh right. That was such a good book. And then it was April. April 28th is when we did the, um, we posted the thing about Lion, Son of the Forest. So I'm totally with you that it's been six months and we haven't seen another book even referencing the lion. And <laughs> I don't want to boast, but we read quite a few books for this podcast, um, unless it was mentioned in some Tao book that we skipped. I'm hoping, now obviously this book is not. No, this is like a history book. Yeah, this is like the Warhammer 40k version of Titanic. Spoiler alert, the boat sinks in the end. Or the Alamo. Right. Spoiler alert, everybody dies. What? <laughs> I, I know. Um, I, I know. Like, if you're not from Texas, I understand if you didn't know that, but everybody dies from the end the Alamo. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is that... Um, now, granted, they update the uh, coming soon for Black Library page like once every year, whether it needs to be or not. Um, it, I don't know why, you guys, but that's one of those things that irritates the shit out of me. 
Um, looking at the books that are coming out, which are we're now well, actually through all of them. Did they even announce a new Red Gobbo book on the coming soon page? I don't remember that at all. No, they don't. They did not. They, the, I mean, you have to, you have to read the what's coming soon, and I think nothing's releasing next week. So, uh, spoiler alert, though, we did order the Red Gobbo book, so uh, the holiday tradition will continue. Yep, we will get the Red Gobbo books. Um, that one was actually able to update the shipping address to go directly to you, um, which was nice. But yeah, there's like nothing really is coming out either so i'm hoping that next year is the year of the lion like i'm hoping that they're like okay we've released the lion yeah and we know exactly what we want to do with him we're not going to be doing any of this indomitus 100 years no jump back no jump this it's all the death card no never mind it's actually the necrons never mind actually it is the death card never mind it's none of that i'm hoping that we get that and this is nothing against any of the authors or black library they're just following orders <laughs> I get it. Like this is all this is all part of the campaign, right? And we have to go with what the campaign is driving toward. But um Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping that they really get things in line for the lion and we start to see him because I loved that book and it's so exciting. I'm not even a lion fan and I'm excited that he's back. And apparently we're the only people who are excited he's back. <laughs> You're excited because you think this means that some of the uh, chaos ones will come back, like Perturabo. He'll come back. Oh well, per Perturabo's already woke. Peter Turbo's already awoken. Yeah, but we saw that. Yeah, but he's kind of like you know, sulking somewhere. He's awake and he's like, "Yeah, let's go take on the galaxy." Whatever Games Workshops decides that they need me, because he specifically I remember him and Hansu were talking. About destroying Cadia. Well, I can tell, spoiler alert, Peter Turbo's not involved in that. I love Pete, and he's not involved. Well, uh... Um, <laughs> Primark, and he's not involved. He was just too slow. He was too busy planning the siege. <laughs> Probably, yes. And then Abaddon's just like, parry this! And he's just like, I'm out. Again, I'm out. I was out at the Siege of Terra, and now I'm out at this bullshit again. It's like, you guys are just monsters when it comes to siege warfare. You don't do anything you right. suck. <laughs> you guys just suck. <laughs> Pete, look, even my husband reading the Siege of Terra, even my husband was like, you know, Peter Turbo actually not that bad. <laughs> Mostly, yeah, again, anyways. The next book is The Fall of Cadia, since everybody now has their copies of it. Hopefully, yep. I do not regret getting the special edition. It's so pretty. No, I forgot that there. it's like I pulled out my box over here and I hadn't pulled out the whole book. And that's actually that that ribbon there to pop it out. It's like, well, I have to really yank on that. To get <laughs> it's it it's a heavy book. It is a tome. And there's a Ursicar Creed's journal in there. There's his Medal of Honor and his dog tags. Like, that's kind of cool. It's a neat special edition. I do like, like, one of my favorites was, you had actually gotten it for me a couple of years ago, was that Space Wolves one. Mm. Oh, the, uh. I love, I love their boxes. When they do a box. Absolutely love it. Do you want to take us out, Carrie? Sure. I was just trying to remember, like, what exactly was that Space Wolf's book? It was the last one in that trilogy. I remember that. Hellwinter's Gate. Yes. Right? Can't believe you didn't remember that. I'm sorry. The special edition came out, like, two years.
years before the book came out to the it was so ridiculous when you finally got yours i was like oh thank god (laughs) i couldn't remember the name of it i'm so glad that you did i was still thinking i was like something gate you know there's many books as we read sometimes it's amazing how i can pull the right name out of my ass because seriously or like or names of people i'm just like like, who Wait. was that? Oh, it was this person again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, like, so in this book, Sedane, mm-hmm. I didn't remember. I was like, who are they talking about? And it wasn't until when Bill had that vision of Sedane and somehow Call was, like, dwarfing him. Like, he's almost, like, swallowing him. I was like, oh, it's that guy. Of course Bill liked that guy. <laughs> Well, it was really funny because when they, he started reminiscing about Sedane, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And my husband was like, who? Like, he didn't even remember. And then I had to remind him, I was like, remember in the great work, the guy who did the thing and he developed the black carapace? And then, and he was like, oh, yeah, that guy was a dick. Like, yes. Yes, he was. Another thing, like, when they were talking about that it was on Sotha, I didn't remember that. But see, here's the thing. Sotha didn't mean anything to me at the time we were reading that book. And so there's how I was on Sotha. I was like, I didn't know it was on the same planet as as the Pharos. You know, just one of those things like makes me almost kind of want to flip, not read it again, but flip through it again just to kind of get more of right. understanding of the setting. Because that is one thing that does kind of frustrate me is, is that you do for so many things. It really like obviously I enjoyed the book just as much as I could with calling it just fine without knowing about Sotha. But I keep thinking about. How much things would have meant more to me if I had already read the Horus Heresy or at least had, you know, a Reader's Digest summary in my brain of everything that went on in the Horus Heresy. So Well, it's it's hard because they keep putting books out. So, so much of it is like, like so much of it is like there's certain books that I read years before the Horus Heresy book even published. Right. And then you read the Horus Heresy book and you're like, hey. It's kind of fun, but there, that is one of the, the, it's one of the good things and bad things about the 40K universe is that there are so many things like that where you're like, why do I know that? Why do I know the name of that town, that planet? Mm-hmm. Like that sound that rings a bell. And then you go back and you're like, oh, it was because of this or because of that. And then you put things together and it's, oh my gosh. And so you end up going and referencing books over again. And again, right. it's one of those things that I really do like about the Black Library. Well, I'm very, but sometimes it does frustrate me. I'm very thankful for both Lexicanum for helping me with definitions. And I'm also very thankful for uh, the fandom website because they do deep dives into stuff. Basically, you know, like the fan wiki for all Warhammer 40k. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. just like, where is And they have a nice app. So I'm just like, where is this planet? Boom. Have it right there. I was like, thank God. That way I'm not having to make all these notes. I got wonderful nerds who have done it for me and put it all on the internet. I use Reddit for, um, but Reddit can be a dangerous rabbit hole to fall down because all of a sudden I swear to God, every time I go into Reddit to look for anything where I'm just like, do I remember this? And I'll go on there and people are like, oh, I remember this from this book. I swear to God, I end up in one of two places after it doesn't matter. Like click, 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 click. I always end up on something. Talking about how amazing the Night Lord series is, which it totally is. Or something talking about Perturbo. Just a moth to that flame there. Mm. But I'm always like, how did I get how how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? I don't even know. What did I click on? I clicked on like three random things, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, all roads lead here. 
just fake for it. you. Or, or there's one third one that comes up relatively often, and it's something just gushing about that one time that Karn kicked Erebus's ass. <laughs> oh, that was a great moment. Oh, book of the year forever. Because nobody Should... likes Erebus. Literally nobody. Not even any of the word bearers. That's true. I don't or, think even I don't think even Hitler would have liked Erebus. No. That's how much no. he sucks. Pretty much. Even Stalin would have been like, fuck son, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, you want to take us out, Carrie? <laughs> oh wow, nice to know Stalin would have had some limits. So <laughs> <laughs> even he would have been like, mmm. Uh, you've listened to the Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Gene Father by Guy Haley. Be sure to join us next time for the fall of Cadia. Oh my gosh, this book's so heavy. By Don't skip arm day. By the wonderful Robert Rath. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those wonderful things to the Fedcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay a while and read from a crag. And look, I even got this water bottle up today. So there you go. I'm pretty up, feeling pretty alfarious lately. I have my new Ave Dominus Knox sticker, so life's pretty good over here. <laughs> Hail the Night King. <laughs> All right. Good night. good night, everybody. of the Warhammer 40k book club was hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve. <laughs>